Hey guys, this is Rick Godwin, pastor of Summit Church here in San Antonio. Thanks for joining us today. You know, we're excited to have you on our podcast. Our goal is to inspire you and to challenge you and help everyone realize their full potential in Christ. Now enjoy the message. Come on, we're gonna speak to 2023. We will not be passive, we will not be complacent, we will not yield to the adversary. We will get loud, we will fight, we will proclaim blessing, help, favor, breakthrough. It's gonna be a good year and you're gonna help make it so. God uses our actions, our choices, our decisions to shape our future. And I wanna to begin today by talking about increasing the quality of your vision. What do you see? That's important because if you can't see it, you can't have it. God told Abraham, lift up your eyes, old man. Look north, south, east, and west. All the land you can see, I'll give it to you. Meaning, if you can't see it, you will never possess it. Well, I couldn't see myself with that kind of a life. Don't worry, you won't have it. I couldn't see myself in that home. I couldn't see myself uh, in that car. I couldn't see myself in that kind of a career. Well, you won't. If you can't see it, you can't have it. And so God says when there's no vision, people cast off restraint. People go wild. People are unbridled. People are undisciplined. Why? They don't have anything to shoot for. So God gives us vision to help us press through adversity, setback, betrayal, rejection, hard times. Suck it up, baby, but get a vision, and it'll pull you through anything. And we're going to start with that series today, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, if I'm too loud, just let me know. I'll die down. I don't want to wake you up, Rip Van Winkle. Okay, Hebrews 12, one through four. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down and especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy waiting him, that's what he had in front of him, vision, he endured the cross, disregarded the shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Verse one, he says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses to the life of faith. Who are those? Those are people who have gone before us, who are now in heaven's grandstands. But while they were on earth, they accomplished some significant achievement. So the things you and I are struggling with, they've already been through that, been there, done that, and overcame it. 
And now they're saying to us, this crowd of witnesses, come on, you can do it too. See, I don't have time to listen to people who have never been through anything or accomplished anything. If you've never done anything or been through anything, what are you going to teach anybody? See, but people who have successfully come through adversity can tell you how they overcame, how they felt. Don't read books on children by authors who don't have any. Cindy and I came out of a church that did that once. That was just stupid, all right? It doesn't mean anything to me until you live with those kids. But if they have kids, you can ask, how'd you deal with this issue? Because I'm going through that age right now. That's good. See, and a witness is somebody on the scene who saw and heard. Now, if you didn't see anything or hear anything, you are disqualified from being a witness. And if you say, well, my mother told me she heard that, you are not admissible in court. That's called the inadmissible. That's uh, hearsay. It won't count. So you got to see it. You got to hear it to be a witness. So all of these heavenly witnesses are encouraging you and me, go on. Don't quit. If you quit, you'll never know what could have been. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, let us strip off, lay aside every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. And let's run with, King James says, patience or endurance is the word, the race God has set before us. Did you know that the professional marathon racers would actually shave the bottom of their shoes to lessen the drag and the weight, and they wouldn't put ornaments on their, their running suits because they, want as, they run almost naked because they don't want weight. Because they, several guys that run 26 miles said, after 15 miles, an ounce feels like a pound. So you want as limited drag as you can get. They're stripping it off so they can give it all they've got and nothing to hold them back. So the writer is saying, there are going to be some things that come into your life and mine that will be distractions. Weights and sin are distractions. See, all weight is not a sin, but all sin is a weight. So it distracts you. I remember an old preacher telling me back in the 1970s, sin will always take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you a whole lot more than you wanted to pay. Amen, right? Come on, I know some of you, amen would be good. So the writer is warning us that there are going to be distractions along the route of your life, of your purpose, and your call in life. Count on it. It's coming. Now, you got to be able to handle those distractions. So he tells us, this is your part, lay aside, strip off every weight and sin. So there's no way you can swim effectively with a 20-pound weight tied to your ankle. You'll be like a rocking chair, a lot of movement, but you're not going anywhere. Now, we all know people like that, a lot of talk, a lot of hot air. They're always telling you what they're going to do someday, and it's always someday. And the reason they haven't done anything is primarily because distractions took them out of the race along the way and have kept them from their purpose in life. So if anything is distracting you from the race of your life, God says, get rid of it. Lay it aside. That could be people too. 
If you want to win the race, don't allow anything to break your focus from the finish line. You can't run the race waving to the crowd, talking to your family in the grandstand, and admiring all the new track suits. Get your mind in the game. <laughs> I take my dog out in the morning. Most a lot of you do as well. That dog can be distracted by a sound, a squirrel, a leaf, and I'm saying, Lily, get your nose on the ground. Get in the game. Keep your focus. I don't want to stay out here all day with you. Get, get your business done. Let's go. So easily distracted. So it's so easy to start and then get preoccupied with a lot of other things, even good things. See, the enemy doesn't come to you and say, hey, Gloria, I'm the devil, and I'm going to tempt you. No, it doesn't work that way. He simply puts distractions in our way to bait us off the track. Can be a girlfriend, can be a boyfriend, can be an extramarital affair, can be a job, can be, a, can be some kind of a hobby or a pleasure. Let me pause and say, I have a, a, a friend who was incredibly wealthy, and as he came out of utter poverty into unprecedented wealth, he started buying million-dollar cars and shipping them in, taking trips, buying land and real estate. This went on for a two-year period, and it was all three jets, and it was always doing something, going somewhere, spending that wealth on all kinds of pleasure and things. Now, the wealth wasn't wrong, but what that wealth did to him was to take him out of the race as a distraction. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, the the co-conspirator of his assistant started taking over, making investments with multiple millions of dollars without his approval, paying big salaries to girlfriends and different people, all without his knowledge because for two years, those distractions because of the wealth took him out of the game and finally, the partner took him out of the game completely and brought the whole thing down. Now, there was nothing wrong with the wealth, there was nothing wrong with buying a car or buying a jet. What was wrong is it took him out of the race. And I said, God gave you that wealth and a good heart of generosity to help the kingdom of God. The, the, the kings get the provision for the vision and the priest, the priest gets the vision. And we all need each other to make it happen. And I said, God put you in a pivotal spot not only to be a blessed man and bless your family, but to bless the kingdom of God. And the enemy just took you right out, got your eyes off the game. You forgot what was going on in the business, and you, the enemy took it down. That can happen to anybody. So we got to be able to discern the things to be laid aside that are keeping us from staying focused. Then the writer says, now let us run. So you ever watch a three-legged race? It is so awkward. You can't run faster than the person you're tied to. Hello, who are you hooked up with? You be careful. You be careful. Evil company corrupts good character. You watch out, see? And you could be tied to people who are good people but small vision. You want to be a giant killer and you're tied to a pygmy. It's not going to work. It's always going to hold you back, going to limit you. And then you're not in rhythm and you're not in sync. So you'll have broken focus. So broken focus will keep you from winning your race. Broken focus will keep you from winning the prize. The person with the most focus is the one who's going to win. So he says, lay aside every weight and sin that easily distracts us, and then let us run with 
consistency, endurance, the race God has set before us. Every one of us that follows Jesus is in a race. Don't let distractions break your focus. Pleasure, things, drugs, unpleasant experiences, failure, setback, competition can break your focus. I'm telling you, God can take your setback, and I know several of you have had some serious setbacks, into a setup. Joseph had a setback when his brother sold him into Egypt. He had another setback when the wife of uh, Potiphar uh, declared sexual assault, falsely put him in jail, another setback. The whole point was God was setting him up with the setbacks to put him in position to get to Pharaoh. He couldn't just go to Pharaoh as a nobody slave, not of that race or culture. So God orchestrated a trip, and it was pretty painful, and it took 21 years. But it got him in front of Pharaoh, who then made him prime minister over all Egypt, so he could long-term save his family and save a nation. Incredible. There's more to you than what just happened to you. There's more for you than what just happened to you. If you've got a good future, if God's got a good plan for you, there are going to be many adversaries. I'm sorry, but it's true. You're going to be hurt. You're going to say, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. Life isn't fair. God is righteous. God is just. God is the rewarder. But that which he has begun in you, he will perform it. He told Joseph, you're going to be a ruler. He just didn't tell him how. That wasn't the plan or the way I figured it would work. You just don't know. And people are watching you in a setback. How will he respond? How will it affect your faith? How will it affect somebody else who maybe is on the fence, hasn't followed Jesus? They watch your behavior, whether you're going to a doctor and you're facing treatment for cancer or you had a, gone through an unpleasant divorce or someone in the family had an affair or was arrested. Dear God, anything can happen like that to break your focus. And people are watching you to see how you handle that. So there's more to it than just you. God's after other people as well, and he may use you. Sometimes I've heard people say, I just feel so used. And it's like God said, excuse me, but you told me I could use you. (laughs) Hello? Yeah. Remember, we're in a race. Verse 2 says, we keep, we do this. He says, we stay in this race. We we keep running. We, We stay consistent by keeping our eyes on Jesus. So here's the object of my focus, my Lord. Jesus. Why? Because he gave us a tremendous example of focus as he walked on earth. He was criticized by his own family, criticized by religious rulers. He was misunderstood by his own disciples, by his own brothers and sisters, but even through temptation by the enemy for 40 days in the desert and betrayal by Judas, he kept his focus on the joy set in front of him. The redemption of mankind would be possible if he could go through this. And that was such a big deal. He was willing to suffer so you and I could have eternal life. Now, Jesus is what I call a player coach. That's the best kind. If you're being coached by somebody, somebody good, of course, but who never played the game, 
He might not know how it feels to be hit by a 250-pound linebacker. He may have some good coaching techniques. And a person who has been there never would say to you, I know how you feel, sweetheart. No, no. They'll grab you by the collar and say, hey, wake up. Listen to me. This is what you must do. You get you a strong espresso. Listen to me. I'm not going to soothe you and allow you to suck your thumb and lay down because that coach is interested in helping you endure and get through this period in your life. So he or she will encourage you, you can make it. They will not allow you to sit around and suffer with self-pity. Jesus defied low expectation when people said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's about him, see? And he had to deal with rumors about his mother's virgin birth, right? He's an illegitimate kid. He had to deal with rejection, constant, constant opposition, even the failure by his own staff, his disciples. So when storms came up on Galilee, Jesus didn't scream, we're going to drown. He shouted out, peace, be still. And the disciples backed up and said, what manner of man is this? So look at Jesus, see? Discover the principles he lived life by and apply them to your own life and situation. He's the author and finisher. He never started anything he didn't finish. So he was a man of focus who for the joy set before him. Now, where was the joy? Before him or in front of him, not behind him. In other words, he kept that joy in view. Keep it in front of you, not behind you. The Bible says, forgetting those things that are behind, I press on forward to the prize set in front of me. See, vision gives you discipline. You don't get disciplined by saying you need discipline. That won't work. What works is something you want more than the pleasure you're involved in that's holding you back. Why would a guy get up and run on a cold morning? Why would somebody deny themselves Christmas chocolate cakes and goodies if they're, if they're trying to win a gold medal in some achievement, then that discipline is going to come easy because there's something they want more than what's holding them back. So vision gives discipline. Law will not give you discipline. It tells you what you ought to do, but it doesn't give you any, any power to do it. So vision gives me, I want something so bad, I'm willing to go to hell and back to get it. Anybody ever date? I remember when my dad was stationed in McGuire Air Force Base, New Jersey, they had the snowstorm of the history, three feet of snow. But I had a date that night. And that date on base was across the base. And my mother said, you ain't going out in this weather, are you? I said, oh, yes, I am. Why? For the vision set in front of me. I, are you kidding me? I'll walk through the snow. Thank you very much. Yeah. It, it may not sound holy, but I'm getting, trying to get you to get the point. Is there anything you want more than what you got now? Do you want good health? Do you want a good marriage? Do, do, you, do you want to achieve more than your family did? Do you want to stay gainfully employed in some career? Do you want to start your own business? What in the world do you want? 
See, you've got to want something. I mean, we all start low. We all start somewhere. But you have to begin where you are, but keep that vision in front of you. I remember driving a 200,000-mile Volkswagen Beetle, and I'd stop at car dealerships and look at a car of my dreams, smell it. Back then, you could walk in, get in it, sit there, know all about it. And I just kept that vision. I say, one day I won't drive this piece of junk. One day I'll have a decent car. What, or one day I'll live in this kind of a neighborhood. I lived in a trailer, okay? Roach's biggest skateboards, a lousy 45-foot trailer. I can remember the bad times, and you didn't know me then. And the point is, I wasn't going to settle for that. I didn't know how long it's going to take. I didn't know what it would cost. I didn't know, but I knew I wanted something better. And until you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, year 2023 just going to be a repeat of what you've got already. So if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done. Focus gives you power to endure. And the reason most people can't handle pain, setback, pressure, they can't endure, they fall apart, is they don't have anything bigger set in front of them. Let me give you an illustration. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim 26 miles from Catalina Island to the Los Angeles coast of California. After 15 hours in freezing water, and I've been in it, freezing water, because of sea fog, they, she couldn't even see the boat that accompanied her with her team. She couldn't see it. She says, take me out. I can't go on. And they said, Florence, we're, we're only a couple of hundred yards from the coast don't get out. She said, take me out. I cannot go on anymore after 15 hours. And afterwards, she had warmed up. They gave her some hot tea. The journalist asked her, did they show her picture up there? Florence. After that, she said, if I could have seen the coast, I could have made it. But she said, because of that fog and 15 hours, it might as well have been 200 miles away. I couldn't see it. So that's what happens when you lose your vision. By the way, she did go back, and she did win on a good day. So how do professional athletes stay in the game with all sorts of injuries and pain? Well, they are playing to win. They are not playing to play. They want a championship. So they're focused. And when you're focused, you can ignore a lot of pain. Yeah, you can. You can move on from that ex-mate you can take your life and move it forward. You can lay aside your past failure, your past mistakes. You can move on with your life and get focused. And there are many today that need to have that attitude. As we go into 2023, you're going to forget the failure, the past. You've had your focus broken. There's been something that took you out of the game, some kind of a hurt, some kind of a pain, some kind of a disappointment. And all I want to do this morning is urge you, get that vision back. God has not changed his mind. His gifts and callings are irrevocable. Whatever he planned for you, he still plans for you. But he won't get in the game for you. You've got to. I want you to re-engage, get back on track, and get your focus back. When I was learning to drive as a kid, I was 16 in South Carolina. They used to tell me <clears throat> at night, don't look at the lights of the oncoming car or you'll drive right into it. Where you, what you focus on is where you'll go. 
and what you focus on grows. So they told me, you look straight ahead in peripheral vision, you just watch the edge. And by the way, at night with cars out here on this stupid Bulverde Road with all the concrete barriers, you got to do the same thing. I say, I am totally focused on not hitting that barrier and not hitting the truck that's coming on the other side of that broken up Ho Chi Minh Trail they call <laughs> Bulverde Road down there. Can I get an amen? amen? You know it's true. We got potholes big as a car on that thing right now. Nobody fix it. How many years is it going to take to give us a road, you know? I have vision, (laughs) and that is irking me, right? So Jesus endured the cross. He despised the shame. He sat down on the right hand of God the Father. Now notice, Jesus' goal was to get to the finish line. He had a word. He told his his mother when she found, I must be about my father's business. Devil tried to tempt him with fame, with wealth, with uh, possessions, with the applause and approval of people. He wouldn't break his focus. As a pilot, and we have several in here, when you learn to fly on instruments, you, can't, you don't have visual references. You can't see the ground. You can't see the sky. You're in a fog bank. You see nothing. And you can't trust your feelings. They lie to you. So they teach you, keep your eye on those instruments. Don't look left. Don't look right. Or you'll get disoriented and crash. And so you stay right on that. I'm not going to talk to you about the game this week. If I'm flying on instruments, I am focused on that horizontal uh, indicator, my airspeed, whether I'm in a turn or whether I'm straight and level or I'm in a climb or a descent or I'll kill myself. So I have to have unbroken focus to be able to fly safely when there are no visual references. And when all hell breaks loose and you're in utter despair and there's chaos around you, the enemy wants to break your focus and bring chaos and confusion. You've got to keep your mind, what did God tell you? What does God's word say? What did God's promise to you? Keep that focus, quote it out loud, shout into 2023 loudly what God said. I do it all the time. You need to start doing it as well. Isaiah 50, verse 7 says, I I have set my face as a flint, and I know I shall not be put to shame. And folks, if we finish well at the end of our race is reward. See, Jesus did not allow rejection, betrayal, opposition, or the cross, or shame to break his focus. His last words is what we want to be able to say with our lives, it is finished. What the Father gave me to do, I did it. I'm not going to be compared to anybody else, but whatever my assignment was, whatever my gifts were, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the greatest reward you could have. You know why they put blinders on racehorses? So they won't be distracted by the other horses alongside of them. Simple. Verse 3 says, Think about all that Jesus endured when sinful people did such terrible things to him so that you don't become weary and quit. See, a lot of sports teams, a lot of individuals, a lot of marriages quit long before they're beaten, long before the game is over, they give up, long before the divorce, they quit. So we got to remain focused or we'll become weary and we'll quit. Now, what is focus? 
Well, reading glasses, bifocals, laser or RK surgery, contact lenses, magnifying glasses and telescopes are all there to increase the quality of your vision. Focus is the adjustment of the eye, a camera lens, so that a clear image is produced. The point at which a system of light rays converges after passing through a lens. A, a year ago or so, I had cataracts taken out of my eyes, and the optometrist, uh, the surgeon, said, oh, Rick, everybody gets cataracts. I've taken them out of 20-year-olds. He says they're just a degree of how bad they are, uh, based usually on age, but everybody has them, and they obscure the clarity of your vision. Anybody, anybody but me ever had that? And they put a lens in with laser. You know, it takes about 10 minutes. costs about $3,000. I asked him, I said, how many of these you do a day? He said, about 40. Wow. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm in the wrong business here. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and, and, and no insurance on that one. You just, it's cash and carry, right? Kind of like plastic surgery is. I, I wouldn't know. Percy tells me about it, all right, Percy? Percy. Okay, no. <laughs> no I'm, but I tell you, it was wonderful. And, and it was amazing to me. They said, now, you're going to need sunglasses, deep sunglasses, when you go out. Ah, I'll be okay. I, I, it was like an atomic nuclear blast occurred. I had been so clouded, I was accustomed to it. And then to have clear vision, and I, couldn't, I couldn't take it. I had to cover my eyes with some dark lenses in order to just function and tears just pouring out of my eyes because my poor eyes hadn't been subject to that kind of clarity in so long. You know, you can live in a lower state so long you think it's normal. It's not normal. Poverty's not normal. Living in a lousy marriage is not normal. Uh, living an unhappy, unfulfilled life, that's not normal. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So knock off about blaming your parents or my race or my country or my career or the government. No, no, no. I and only I am in charge of my life. Cindy is not delegated by God to make me happy. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's not her job. That's my job to be happy. That's your job. Okay. Ain't nobody but God can make you happy. Okay. Proverbs. Proverbs. We only get one service today. So come on. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 25. My son, attend to my words. Consent and submit to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all your flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all diligence above all that Guard your heart, for out of it flow the springs of life. Put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk. Put far from you. Let your eyes look right on with fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. So notice, what you look at will determine what you move towards in life. What you focus on determines the quality of your life. See, if you look at your past, you're going to live in it. Paul tells us, forget those things that are behind. You know, I mean, 
Some people, all they want to do, this is the 10th anniversary of our divorce. <laughs> Dear God, 10 years. You could be flying the space shuttle in 10 years. You could, do, you could have lost a few pounds, a few nip and tucks, and found you another, another daddy. You could have found yourself something. <laughs> anniversary of my divorce. God, gag me, help me. I, I'm giving you straight talk. It's not preacher talk. This is life talk. Wake up, honey. Get some coffee in you. I mean, this is an unlimited opportunity out there. <laughs> Maybe some in here. I don't know. So he says, you forget those things that are behind and press. Reach forth to what's before. What do you see? What do you want? What's God giving you as, a, as an objective, a goal? If you focus on your failure, you're never going to get beyond them. Don't let your failure become your undertaker. Let it become your teacher. Won't do that again. Learn something from that. Learn from it. How sad to see some people who never seem to learn anything. And the scripture says, like a dog returns to it vomit, so do they. They just don't learn anything. So what are you looking at? What do you want for 2023 to be different? See, what you look at will determine what you're going to have in life. In Numbers 21, the children of Israel sinned by speaking against God and Moses. So God sent poison snakes to bite the complaining people. I'd get some movement out of you in here. <laughs> but after they repented, God had Moses make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, and then he's to hold it up, and the people were commanded, look and live. Focus. Now, that's pretty tough when your focus is on the snake or your wound. See, right focus can bring you life. Well, my doctor said, well, my mother said, well, my sister had that, and she said, and she said, here you go. Here you go. You didn't last five minutes, and you're already breaking your focus. Ever notice your car windshield's much larger than your rear view mirror? Well, the designers planned for your focus to be on what's in front of you, not what's behind you. When somebody rear-ends someone, it's usually because the driver wasn't looking. They had broken, I've been hit twice on 281, and both by elderly ladies who broke their focus and took out my Audi. Yeah. If you can change your focus, you can change your life. Get your focus off what has happened to you, sweetheart, onto what you want to happen. Command that. Speak to that. God says, your mouth. I, he told uh, Joshua, you, let my word be in your mouth. And you don't, do it, you don't say anything but what I said. And you continually speak it, and you'll have good success. Meaning I have some determinate factor in my own life's success. Good success. What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? And this is a daily operation. You address things, right? What do you want to happen? I think it's time for a lot of folks in here, maybe watching online, to refocus. If you're ever going to become focused, you will have to ignore a lot of distraction. And when you come to church, like if I come to church, I, I, I come with a purpose. I come to preach, to challenge, to encourage people. I'm kind of in a zone when I come. Now, I'm completely focused on that one thing. 
So I try to push out distractions. So I don't notice everybody in particular. And people might be, well, I was there and he didn't talk to me. I think he's very unfriendly. Mm. Oh, he's not. Oh, he's too proud. Why didn't he speak to me? But that's not true at all. I'm simply, you're off duty. You're unfocused. You're just attending church. You're hoping the music's good. You hope the message helps you and it's not too long. But I'm on duty and I'm focused. So you're going to have to invade my zone for me to notice you. But don't invade it until I'm released from my duty like after the service. See, if I notice and listen and watch and respond to everything around me, my focus is broken. Some of you want to lose 40 pounds this new year, and all somebody has to do is wave a Christmas cookie in front of you, and you are down. Broken. See, your focus has to be on better health, which now is broken. I do whatever. Even Proverbs says, put a knife to your throat. That's pretty radical, right? He's talking about what do you need to wire your jaw shut? What do you need to do? What You do it. You can have what you want, but you got to pay the price for it. Are you willing? Now, when NBA players go to the foul line to shoot a free throw, fans will scream and wave long balloons in front of him. Why? To break their focus. You hope so anyway. So he'll miss. So the enemy sends distractions into our lives to break our focus. How many times have you watched a football receiver, not counting the Cowboys, drop the ball? And you knew it was because he took his eye off the ball. I mean, he's considering one or two tacklers approaching him at warp speed with full intent to do bodily harm. But the great receivers are the guys who catch the ball, take the hit. Their total focus is on that ball. See, focus will always create momentum, and momentum is the force that produces accomplishment. Ever notice a two-minute drill in football? It's a hurry-up offense. It's effective, usually, because every member of the team now is totally focused on the end zone. And they're really hard to stop. If you're behind, you have incentive to focus. If you're ahead, the danger is complacency. You relax. You lose your focus. I mean, David wasn't in the battle that he should have been at as commander of the army of Israel. He stayed home. He's bored. He's distracted by a good-looking hot woman taking a bath in front of his palace down there. Well, men are visual. So men have to be careful. Why does he get so quiet? <laughs> men are visual. You know, men have to be stimulated. Yeah, I'll went and give a woman a flower, a nice card, a nice affirming word of some kind uh, or some words or whatever. No, men, men are so, I wonder what he's thinking. I wonder all men, I don't care if they're 20 or uh, 90, they're all thinking the same thing. I want to see something naked and give me a beer. They just, they're just all men. The carnal man, the carnal man. I hear such stupid stuff preached. They're just stupid. But God made us different, of course. So, you know, maybe you've been, been married 20 years. You've got an egg-stained nightgown, all kind of stains on it, and you go into bed. And Earl 
He's not stimulated, okay? No, he's visual. So that it doesn't mean he's, he's, he's immoral or he's a man of the flesh. He just notices. God made men to do that. This is so funny. You can't even talk honest in church, can you? You just, it's a, it's a fact. So regard anything that breaks your focus as a weight. See, and remember, weights in life can be pressure. And pressure can pervert your vision. Life is filled today with pressure. Pressure, marriage, business, even the ministry, all have immense pressure. And these are things that kind of tap you out and make you want to quit. But we have to stay with it and make adjustments for our growth. If we want to enjoy the benefits, then you got to go through some things to get what you want. You have to play with criticism, rejection. You have to play when it's hard. You have to play when some people don't like you. And we have to play when we just don't feel like it. See, remember, focus never looks at what it's going through. It looks at what I'm going to, what I want. Focus on God. What you focus on will determine the total quality of your life. I will lift up my eyes, my help comes from the Lord. Psalms 121. My eyes are ever towards the Lord. He will pluck my feet from the net. Psalms 25. And unto you, O Lord, do I lift my eyes. O you who are enthroned in heaven, our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy and loving kindness for us. Psalms 123. So when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, upon his word, we're going to see possibilities. Families restored, lives mended, mercy, forgiveness, a nation turned to God. We will see his never-failing mercy that will compel us to finish our course and to finish it with joy. And I'm praying this year you'll get back clear focus. Get rid of anything, any weight, distraction. Let go of the hurt of whatever shouldn't have happened, but it did happen. Because here's the good news. No matter what your setback was, God has not changed his mind about his plan for you. God's saying, hey, I know that hurt. I know that was unexpected. I know that's going to be horribly inconvenient, but I haven't changed my mind about what I told you I want to do and what I want to do through you and for you. Get back in the game. Get back in the race. And that's what I want to challenge you to do. Repent. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I've allowed myself to feel sorry for myself. I've allowed my focus to go other places than to your purpose and will for my life. Forgive me. Help me see clearly the, the race set before me and to keep and maintain my focus. That is a good thing. And we all need encouragement from others to do the same thing. When you see your brother or sister go through a fall or go through an attack, jump in. Give them encouragement. Don't give them self-pity. Just give them encouragement. God's still for you. God's word still works. The enemy will restore sevenfold. We're with you. We love you. And, and we have a close friend in another nation. We've been doing that with for three months, keeping them game. And it's working. And I'm telling you, that, that could be me. I'd want somebody breathing life into me to help me stay in that race. Who's in your race? Who's around you? Hey, thanks again for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. 
Follow me by visiting the links in the description. I'm praying today that God richly blesses you this entire week.